You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone. I'm Jackson Torah. I am Rabbi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. And of course, I will answer as many questions as I can. And of course, you can go to our webpage, letstalktorah.net. No apostrophes, just straight letstalktorah.net. You can find the archives, you can find the new shows, you can search for anything. We've got hundreds of shows already, getting close to 400. That is an amazing number, really, really close. Probably six, seven weeks from now, we will hit that magic 400 number. Not sure why it's magic, but it's an amazing number. Um, And of course, the all-important donate button, which would be so appreciated if you could hit that donate button Help the show. We have different levels. We can give you a shout-out. We can happy birthday, happy anniversary. We're in memory of, or like many like to keep it anonymous, we can do that as well. Whatever works for you is fine by us. And again, I do thank you in advance. So we are in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. As Paul told me, we're not getting ready for the high holidays. We're in the season of the high holidays. And Yom Kippur, the holiest day on the Jewish calendar. And that's what I want to talk about. When we talk about the holiest day of the year, so automatically into your mind, you're thinking, I mean, I guess it depends who you are, what, what, what's holy? right? What makes something holy? What do I have to do? Okay, you got to pray. Um, okay, can't eat. Uh, got to be in synagogue. Um, but what's amazing, like many Jewish things, um, there's this great contradiction. Right? On, on one hand, Yom Kippur is the day of atonement for those who don't speak such highfalutin, right? That's the day of forgiveness. We're asking our friends for forgiveness. We're asking God for forgiveness. We're asking God to seal us for a a new year, a happy year, a healthy year. So on one hand, right, we look at this. This is the day where you got a chance to repent. If you're successful, amazing. Um, if we're not successful, right, what do we say? It's curtains. Right? That's one side of the coin. On the other hand, the Mishnah says that this is the one of, there's two, one of the happiest days of the calendar. Like, whoa. One, I'm supposed to be petrified. One, I'm supposed to be happy. Like, this is just a, a, an amazing contradiction of emotions. And to take it a step further, why is it such a happy day? It's a happy day because it's a matchmaking day. It's a day, the Mishnah says, where boys will find their wives. 
I mean, you start looking into the literal. Uh, basically, the girls are out there dancing in the vineyards, and the uh, bo- and they they like announce to the boys, you know, hey, I'm pretty, I have a good family, I, uh, um, I I'm a special person, whatever it is. So, wah. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. Don't get me wrong. Right? There are people out there looking to get married. They're they're trying every way they can find to get married. But why would that make it the special holiday, the happiest day on the calendar? Why? Like, it's an important thing. Marriage is important. Finding your soulmate, very important. But why does this make it that special day? That's what I've been thinking about the last couple of days. So I found in some of the commentaries that they explain as follows. Yes, it is a day that's brought down for matchmaking. Yes. But it also is symbolic of our relationship with God. What does that mean? So... Let's uh, let's let's first. Well, okay, we'll talk about that relationship. In other words, w- w- we're saying to God, right? In other words, what's important? And if you look at that Mishnah carefully, right? The Mishnah says, "Don't look at at uh, just beauty. Look at family. Which family?" So the commentaries explain you got to look at that family of where we come from. We are the children of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. That family is special to God. They were the ones that stood up for God in the first place and recognized God and were ready to create the Jewish people. So we're saying, don't look at the at the outer trappings, at my wealth, at my whatever I have. Look at my family. Look at my relationship with you, God. I have a special relationship. And God, we care about that connection, right? We care about that relationship. So even though the whole year things are happening and things are going on and, and uh, you know, I'm just involved in whatever business and family and whatever, and my relationship with God may not be as, as good as I want it to be, but this is the day where we say, God, uh, you know, I, I know we have a relationship. I, I know it's really me and you. And that's what we're doing all day long, praying, right? We, we, are, we are reconnecting. And the power of that connection is what's going to lead us to repentance. Because all I'm really saying is I, I, right, I understand that I've, I've hurt the relationship. I haven't acted the way I should have acted, not between me and, me and my friends, not between me and God. But now's my day to reconnect. And if I can make a real connection then I have a right to ask for a real forgiveness. And as my connection becomes stronger every year, which is, I talked about this on Rosh Hashanah and Synagogue, I said part of what we're doing here is not just reconnecting, but I'm trying to say during the year, I, I got a little better. A little better over here, a little better over here. And, and my recognition of God is a little better than it was last year. And that's the new connection, and that's why I'm a new person. And I say, okay, God, I'm asking for a fresh start. Let's wipe the slate clean. Which, 
really leads us to the next part of the puzzle. And that is this concept of repentance. Right? This is something, actually says God created it before he created the world, this concept of repentance. We've all, I, not all of us, but probably many of us sometime in our, in our life have probably hurt someone sometimes close to us, those are the easiest ones to hurt, sometimes people not as close to us, but we've hurt people's feelings, we've said things we shouldn't have said, we've, we've broken relationships, and hopefully we've tried to fix those relationships, we've tried to reconnect to those people, we've tried to make amends, and sometimes it's hard, sometimes the people are really upset. And sometimes it's going to cost us. And again, for anybody who's been through the process, right, there's what we need to do to make the person accept that we did something wrong. Depending what you did wrong will sometimes depend on how you're going to mend the relationship. Like just saying sorry is not always going to do it. It's just not going to always do it. You know what, what? What? Let's let's take it on a different angle. And I was in a interpersonal relationships is the first place we can recognize what repentance means. The fact that it exists, the fact that I can rebuild. Sometimes I have to rebuild trust. Sometimes it can take years to rebuild back trust. I was just listening to a story recently where um, there was a, a husband and wife. They go to a to to their social worker, to their marriage counselor. And a lot of times, it all boils down to trust. And the question is, what does trust really mean? And and uh, husband and wife come knocking on the door of this uh, marriage counselor. And they obviously called first. It was late at night. And she comes down. She goes to her office. And the wife says, you know, I came home this afternoon. The, the uh, sheriff padlocked the door. The house being repossessed. And I didn't realize our financial situation was so bad. My husband didn't trust me to tell me. So the marriage counselor goes to the husband and says, you know, we've been working on trust. Why didn't you tell your wife? He said, I was afraid that if I told her, it wouldn't matter anyways. She wouldn't change her spending habits. So I figured, why get into a fight over something that's not going to change anyways? Like, I would gladly tell her, but if she's not going to do anything about it, what was the point? So the marriage counselor turns back to the wife and says, would you have changed your spending habits? And she said, probably not. Okay. Right? So just an interesting, right? We talk about trust, we talk about building relationships, but sometimes in the trust and in the building of the relationships, right, there's, there's got to be communication, right? This is what we're doing on Yom Kippur. We're having open communication with God. But really I want to take it on a different angle. So that kind of repentance, which I think we can relate to, right, that kind of repentance, which is very important, right, that building the relationship and building the trust, uh, that's one part that we can relate to, which is what we're doing on, on Yom Kippur. We're talking to God. We're working on the relationship. We're trying to build this trust. Yes, I get that. But now I want to look at it on another extreme. We say a lot in the prayers, we say... Right? God's our father, God's our king. In other words, if we have a relationship like a father and a child, 
So that's one kind of relationship. And we do things wrong, but we can, there's a loving relationship there. And when there's a loving relationship, so that's one kind of conversation. What if that's not the relationship? What if the relationship is really more along the lines of a king and a, I want to say servant, but I'm not sure if that's the right word, but a king and and his uh, constituents? That's probably not a good word either. Whatever word you want to use. Right? Imagine for a second a guy goes, robs a bank, <laughs> takes the money, walks out of the bank. There's 12 police cars waiting for him. They put him in, jail. They put him in the back of the car, drive him to the, um, to the courthouse. He, the judge says, okay, innocent or guilty? Your Honor, I realize I did something wrong. And I feel terrible. You know, I, 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 on the way here in the police car, I, I, I've been thinking about what I did and how many people I hurt, and I, I really feel terrible. So I would like you to forgive me. So the judge says, so are you pleading guilty or are you pleading innocent? Well, I mean, I know I did something wrong, so I, I guess I'm pleading guilty, but I would like you to forgive me anyways. No, no, you see, if you plead innocent, then we have to go to trial. If we go to trial and we find you innocent, then I'm okay, I can let you free. But if you're guilty, right, I just have to, you know, bang the gavel, and then we have to sentence you. No, no, your, your judgeship, your honorship, your whatever you are, um, I want you to forgive me even though I'm guilty. And the judge says, I can't forgive you. I can recognize that you maybe feel a little remorse, but I have to send you to jail. Yeah, but Your Honor, I, I, I'm really sorry. And the judge will say, I, I know you're sorry, and I'm sure you'll never do it again. But the law is that if you rob a bank, I have to put you in jail for, you know, 15 to 20. Yeah, but, but I feel terrible about it. I say, I, I believe that you feel terrible, and there's still nothing I can do about it, right? So... When we go in front of God and we say we're sorry and God sees that we really mean it, he wipes the slate clean. That concept does, doesn't exist anywhere else. There's really no such thing. Whether in the first story we were talking about with husband and wives, where they'll forgive each other, but there's a lot of rebuilding that's going to take place and there's always going to be in the back of each spouse's mind, are they going to do it again? Right? The slate is not really clean. And, and, and if it's a king, right, for sure you go in front of a judge, it's not really clean. God is our father and our king. It's really clean. If he sees, when God sees that you really, really have remorse and you're trying to improve, so God can say, okay, Let's wipe it clean. It's gone. Not to be discussed again. Not to be remembered again. Not not like the spouse or the parent who says, you told me we were going to do this again. You you said you were going to behave in class. You said you were going to do your homework. You said you were going to mow the lawn. And we forgave you. And you you broke the neighbor's window. And here you go. And you're doing it again. We always remember. right? Because that's how we're built. Right? That we don't forget when somebody does something wrong. But God has this amazing concept 
called repentance. And God is the greatest lie detector. He sees right through it. He knows. And it doesn't even mean we're not going to go back and do it again, by the way. But if right now, if this is really where I am, right? so God can say, okay, I, I get it. You are ready to move forward. And I will therefore completely forgive you. And you get a brand new clean slate. Right? That is amazing. On a similar thought, so, uh, you know, this is my season. I get to read a lot of different uh, books and thoughts and ideas. So somebody, so what we're talking about is that I have a desire. I, I'm here on Yom Kippur, and I have this amazing desire that I should become close to God. So the word for desire in Hebrew is rotzon. Rotzon means desire. It's, you know, what is my essence? What is my desire? What, what am I looking for? And, and the, the first two letters of this word rutzon is ruts. And ruts means to run. So you think about it. My, my inner desire is the direction I want to run. If you really want it, you're going to run after it. Right? So... Part of what we're trying to accomplish on Yom Kippur is almost to figure out what what do I want? What is w- inside, right? When we got all the other interferences, we, we, we cleaned it out of the way. It's just me and God. You know, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful feeling during the prayers of Yom Kippur that you, you, if you want, right, you want to just take that time, just have a conversation, it's you and God. He's right here. He, he's talking to you. And, and, and all the noise that's there every day when I'm walking down the street and, I, and so many things are bombarding me and I, I don't get to have that clear conversation. Now the noise is gone. It's you and God. What conversation are you having? What conversation are you ready to have with God? What, what, what's deep inside of you? And sometimes we're afraid to go look, but... But if we have that opportunity, what am I looking for? What am I desiring? What am I looking for? What do I want? And if I can find that desire, it's unbelievable, right? And and I can run after that desire, right? That's what we're supposed to be looking for. You know, somebody said that to live means you have some, something burning inside of you that you're willing to run for. You're willing to go after it. You're really willing to run and put in your all. So the question is, what if the thing you, you're looking to run after is a terrible thing? So this person said, you know, maybe that's better than just floating through life. Because if I have a deep inner conviction for something, I'm living if I know what my essence is, if I know what I'm looking for, I'm alive. It may not be good, but I'm alive. So, you know, I, I just saw this interesting story. It's just something to think about. Now, this is on the wrong side of the equation. But there was a, a Bikiva Tights that, you know, early in his career, he was a physician. And um, there was a guy who came into the uh, hospital with what's called I think it's either Berger's or Berger's disease, terrible disease, where the blood vessels 
uh, that I, I just they 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 collapse. They stop working. And smoking, the nicotine and smoking is is the worst thing for them. What's fascinating is that if the person chooses to stop smoking, then the disease reverses. Meaning these, these blood vessels are just collapsing and they're going to have to amputate. But if the guy stops smoking, then it's like miraculous the blood vessels start working again. So there was a guy there and, and he's smoking. And his leg is all, I don't know, it's, it's swollen and it's turning colors and, and it's getting gangrene. And, and they're telling him, look, sir, you need to stop smoking. If you stop smoking, you can save your leg. But if you don't stop smoking, we're going to have to amputate. So a year later, this, this Rabbi Akiva Tights sees the same patient in a wheelchair. Both legs have been amputated. They're going to amputate his arm, and he's still smoking. Is that like unbelievable that a person has the ability he knows he's hurting himself and that's not the decision he could make a simple decision now I'm not saying that this is a good guy right I'm not saying he's an intelligent fellow that he thinks smoking is living I, I, I don't think that's a good essence or a good desire but his desire was so strong he didn't care it's like mind-boggling and sometimes I think we also have to think about our, our choices doing the same thing, right? Life is full of choices. And there goes the music. So I think you're going to have to really think about this. But in any case, the music's playing. I hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you also all the responsible listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. And thank you to our production team. I have Alan in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi C. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. Yeah.